All right, hello and welcome, folks, to a very spooky edition of RSF Radio. Uh, I'm going to need some help on this spooky, spooky, terror-filled night. I'm not going to make it through if I don't need some help from my friends. And on the mic with me, I have a very special guest, Paul Mide, a.k.a. Dr. Stance, is how you might know him. Uh, how you doing? Are you spooked? Are you scared yet? I'm pretty spooky. Pretty spooked right now, yeah. Having Joe Monday on a Tuesday. I'm scared. Let's do this. <laughs> I know. Tuesdays are a fucking nightmare. They're certainly yeah. a blow-up. Trust me. It's, it's, yeah, it's like 4, 5 p.m. California time. It's so bright out. I see a palm tree. No, it's, it's the dead of night, which actually I'm bummed out for the video. I record for people who just listen to the podcast version. I record the, the video as well just as a backup, and I didn't change mm-hmm. the light to spooky lighting. I should like turn down the lights and have a candle. But then yeah. I'd have a candle near my beard, and this motherfucker's oiled up and ready to just go at what did any you, combustion. <laughs> did you just put your face in like a ham? Why is it so greasy? You no, know, you gotta oil it up. You gotta. This is just. This is just beard one hundred and one. You gotta. I'll, you gotta oil slick that shit. I'll condition at most. <laughs> I don't know. Oiling it up. I mean, okay, whatever. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah do oil. not get a match near this thing because. <laughs> like I do I not blow out birthday candles anymore. Not ever since I, that day. That day, <laughs> that day, that fateful day. Uh, uh, no, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, we're here to talk about. Well, this is the podcast where we typically talk about Street Fighter stuff. Yeah, and, and I'm a Street Fighter player. I, I did. I was. I was once in the scene, pretty active. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're fairly active. You know what you're talking I was, about. I was one. I was one twenty ninth at Evo last year. That's a high number. Pretty, that's a high. That's I got five five Pro Tour points. I was on the leaderboards for a hot second for season two, Street Fighter Five. Damn, hot that's, second. I didn't have for. that many points. Uh, <laughs> but and now nobody does because. <laughs> Because they changed all that. Yeah, they changed like the. It's like impossible to get points anymore. Yeah. Uh, but with that in mind, that's not though, what we're here to talk about. We, we're talking about other horrific things. We tried to not the CPT. What I yeah, that's a whole other horror that's a story. Horror show all itself. Yeah, yeah, all on its own. Uh, but what we're here to talk about though is I pitched to you. A, I have a script here working in ways that we can talk about horror movies lo- very, very loosely based on Street Fighter things right. and Street Fighter right. related. Uh, but before we hit record on this, though, and this is not listed in the, the things we were going to talk about, uh, mm-hmm. we were talking about uh, the horror costumes, the Halloween costumes, and how they just right. like all released at once for Street Fighter 4. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, there was a Halloween pack in yeah. Street Fighter Four. I think it came in the Ultra days, right? And yes. then, uh, and yeah, just everybody got one, and you just bought it all to get bought it all at once, and you know, it wasn't so piecemeal. And they were so good. They are so good in Street Fighter Four. Yeah. Oh, they're just all like my, Geef, Grim, like the Grave mm-hmm. Digger, gri- like uh, the Undertaker's and Undertaker. Is, yeah, so it looked like good. Undertaker. Oh, I loved it, loved it. And then Demetri. And then we were saying earlier about. How they really should have just done a Darkstalkers pack in Street yeah. Fighter Five, but they never did. They're just doing them here and there. Like the first one, unofficially, the first one was like Ryu's Halloween was kind of like Bishamon. Yeah, but a little bit, but not quite. Yeah, not quite. They didn't call it, it that. adjacent. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll be fine to call it that. But but then in like Street Fighter Four, the first hints 
at something like that where you had Bison, he was so close to being Dimitri, very close, not quite there. And Cami, the killer bee, she had a QB costume. It made so much sense. It made so much more sense than Ed as Dimitri, but I don't make those choices at Capcom. So don't listen to me, whatever. I just, you know, supervise California haunts and whatever. It's hard to, <laughs> yeah, hard to tell, which actually, by the way, I like to open up my show instead of closing the show pitching like, Hey, what do you got going on? I like to put that right up front. Uh, so I guess I'll ask you then, what do you have going on that you might want to direct people towards? Well, it's funny. I'm redesigning my online presence. So under construction on a lot of those kind of things, but by, by career and by what I actually do outside of the FGC is I am a voice actor commercial actor and uh and currently i'm also very and i'm very engaged in the haunt scene out here in southern california um as a willing participant mostly and then also on the other side on the performance side and on the super on the administrative side as well uh i supervise at halloween horror nights at universal studios this is like my third year participating in that i also do my girlfriend and i we also do the extreme haunts all up and down uh, Southern California, the ones where they give you a safe word and you give them permission to touch you. And sometimes you get slapped on the face with a dead fish, like I did at 17th door a couple of years ago. That actually sounds all right. They make it's you fun. sign like a waiver, right? Yeah. Yeah. And some of them are, I mean, we could talk all, I mean, we could have a whole podcast on that alone, but you oh, know, just like horror, horror houses, like horror just horror rooms. houses. Yeah. Haunts. It's funny, regionally, like out here, we call them haunts, but I think the rest of the country just says haunted house. Yeah. Like a haunted house, the walkthrough haunted house, but we Why just short call it a haunted haunt. house. Well, haunt sounds way cooler. <laughs> like it kind of does when you just said that, like you said it with such confidence that I was like, I want to, I think I know what a haunt is, but yeah. I'm not cool enough. Yeah. I just call them haunted houses, which like, yeah. uh, Side note, I'm going to spin off that story into like something again that we didn't have written down. But have you watched Haunting on of Hill House? I started it last night. I watched episode one last Ooh, night. It's real good. So I'm not far into right. it. I won't. We won't be spoiling any of that. But if you have a Netflix subscription, yo, you guys should watch that. It's very good. Yeah, that's not for me. That's for you guys. Because yeah, I got a, it. I'm starting. It's very good. I want to talk about it so bad because I, like, I just binged it last weekend to be like, oh, damn, like this is something to have. And then I was just like enthralled by it uh, because the acting's so good. It does the thing that horror, good horror does of tying in the message that they want to say with the horror elements of what people are mm -hmm. actually afraid of, of that thing in real life, and then making that manifest uh, through something spooky. Mm -hmm. and it does that in the spades. Uh, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Street Fighter. Street Fighter, kind of. <laughs> Jason. Uh, so here's how it's going to go. I'm going to say a thing. I'm going to prompt a question of, here's something that is in Street Fighter, and here's how it can be related to a horror movie, and what is your favorite thing within that horror movie? So right at the top of the show, I should say, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about spoilers. Uh, I'm going to list yeah. all of the movies that we talk about in the show notes. It'll be right up front, kind of unlisted, just listed out, just all of the movies by probably alphabetically, although that seems hard. Uh, and then it'll list like the categories that we put them into. 
so just to be clear, if you see anything there that you haven't seen, like, and you want to watch it before you listen to this, uh, it is there. So look at those names. This is your warning. Uh, full so these movies are old. So, yeah, but whatever. Yeah, that, that's the other <laughs> thing. They're all very old, like for the most part. Uh, yeah, now that I think about it, like, I, man, what is the the most the recent oldest that we'll probably talk about? Is well, there's 1933. I'm looking at one of them from 1933. Right. Maybe oh, in a couple 1931s, 32s, in the Todd Browning Universal era. Actually, anyway. no. The one thing. When was? Sorry, I have to Google this right now because I don't have the IMD what? page up. Okay, no, 2015. We're going to mention something from 2015. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's the most recent, uh, but only briefly. But Oh, I know uh, which one you're talking about. Yeah, too. without further ado, uh, we're going to get into it. And the first category is, so, hey, Cody uh, plays with the knife, and Vega yeah. has a, a claw knife. It's basically three knives tied to his fist. Uh, so what's your favorite horror movie featuring knife murder? Uh, wow, it's funny. And as you were saying that, Cody pretty much is, you know, like, he's just the, he's the escaped, uh, the escaped convict uh, stabbing people with knives. He's, he's oh, Michael yeah. Myers. He's Michael Myers. He could uh, be. But I'm not a Michael Myers fan. Ooh, sorry. I actually, uh, my favorite horror movie featuring a knife murderer is Child's Play. Mm. Hands down. Hands so, down, child's play. When you had written this down, I had never, uh, that was an, uh, hard for me to admit that I had never watched a Chucky movie. I had never seen child's play. Uh, so I went back and watched this and was delighted. I thought I would be terrified, but it's just delightful. It's delightful. Yeah. It's so, got like, I mean, and I think like, I mean, looking back in 1988, so the mm-hmm. thing that I love about child's play is, and, and here's actually, let's just talk about horror in general, horror and sci-fi. This is something that a lot mm. of the old masters knew, like Rod Serling knew this and Todd yeah. Browning knew this and James Whale knew this, is that you could, it's very easy to map societal issues. Um, you map it over with a horror story and then and get your allegory across. And, you know, Child's Play is sort of that thing. Like it came at, right, at just that right time, right? The late 80s, it was 1988 and it's, you know, uh, the end, it was made at the end of the Reagan era's, you know, and it debuted at the beginning of the Bush senior era. And it's just that, you know, that, that eighties consumerism. It's like, it's that Reaganomics. It's like the death. Yeah, exactly. It was death by consumerism. Literally it's, it's, it's that, it's that must have that Christmas rush toy coming to kill you, you know, (laughs) it's that obsession coming back to kill you. It is the friend doll coming at you. Exactly. The child it's like Teddy had Ruxpin. to had, or else he wouldn't be happy. And she wasn't going to be a good mom unless she got it for him. Exactly. Exactly. She went to a street peddler. She yeah. went to a guy behind her office <laughs> in like some, you know, uh, South Loop Chicago alleyway and was just like, yeah, that's it. That's the one. Her friend was actually, and her friend was actually trying to talk him down. Remember that? She was yeah. actually trying to like haggle him down. Like it was like, no, I think she pays like 30 bucks for it. It was like, dude, that's a $200 doll. Don't ruin this for Mrs. Barkley. Where did you get it? Don't Andy. ask where I got it. Exactly. That's the original Andy. Andy Barkley, yeah. the first Andy whose toy came to life. <laughs> so about the child actor, though, that was the one blight upon this movie, I feel. 
Alex Vincent. I the, the, the actor who played uh, Andy. Yeah, I thought it was real bad. I don't think his performance holds up, man. I think some of it does. I well, think there's scenes in your, like the mental hospital. It, I think it's it's worthwhile to make a case for it. Yeah, I think in the mental hospital, there's okay. there's one scene where like I was like, that's a that's a child crying. That's a child. He turned his head. He wasn't crying, and he turns back, and now he's crying. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I think that's. I think that was pretty pretty captivating. But otherwise, I kind of see what you're saying. I kind of do. But I like. I love Catherine Hicks and uh, Chris Sarandon. I almost said Susan Sarandon. No, right. Chris Sarandon. Uh, okay, um, I, you know what? I will somewhat agree with you. That moment of of Andy, or the part where at the very beginning where he's making breakfast and he like fucks up the breakfast real bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, and I say that as someone who um, I have a much younger brother who like he was very young when I was in high school, and like one thing that he would do like any like if he were to like open up a bag of cereal like the first person to open up the cereal he would fuck it up so hard. Oh yeah, <laughs> just, where you just everything goes flying, <laughs> or just like you know how like if you fuck up a cereal and it's like got it's hanging on one edge or something it, like something about the way that that kid is like pouring cereal and pouring milk out. I was like, okay, I can relate to a kid trying to do something that is like technically very simple, but like mm-hmm. oh, he's just fucking it up. All right, right, right. It's like you don't have to turn the milk, the gallon of milk upside down. It'll come out. Yeah. It'll come out. <laughs> but it's um, too heavy. He has to, he has to hold heavy. it that way. Um, it's yeah. It's one of those movies that I feel in the modern in, and it is a modern film. I mean, it's it's thirty years old mm-hmm. this year, but it's a modern horror film. And I think in the modern era, it's just it works all the right pieces just correctly. Like the whole ideas of like uh, Jason being supernatural and Michael Myers having supernatural elements. Those mm-hmm. are all sort of like afterthoughts. But with like child's play. It it had more of a you know more of a grounded foot in this like you know he op- it opens up and he's like you know he's a real they even give him like a real serial killer sounding name the Lakeshore yeah. Strangler you know and it and he's Brad Dorif uh, and he looks like Tommy Wiseau in the the room <laughs> yeah. he looks exactly like Tommy Wiseau in the room and he's surrounded by real to- like you can see it's like this is like a very real it looks very very real and then all of a sudden you know you throw in this this voodoo and you know, uh, you know, uh, worship to a voodoo god named Dambala. Um, it has one foot in the supernatural, one foot out in the like real world, like you know, very like uh, you know, Ted Bundyish world yeah. of serial killers. And it felt so good. It didn't start taking itself. It didn't take itself too seriously, but it certainly didn't start making fun of itself like it would later with like Bride of Chucky. Yeah, and the, and it the still held on to elements that were that kept it pretty grounded. Mm-hmm. I'll say. And the yeah. things that, that maybe most impressed me, uh, well, specifically when you said knife, like this being knife murder, I didn't mm-hmm. realize that Chucky had like a very specific like specific knife. knife. His yeah, knife is like, so iconic. It's awesome. It's like red. It's got the red and that like little stripe and those little emblems, those little like voodoo emblems and things. And yeah, we forget that Chucky, Chucky's got a, he's got a, he's got a knife, you know, he's got like his knife. He's got his knife. That his is knife specifically as, his knife as a, yeah as essential he's got a knife as essential as you know leatherface has got like a chainsaw you know what i mean or like yeah although it's funny because he actually i feel like he used more like hammers and hooks more <laughs> in that first movie anyway but um yeah 
Yeah, I love it. And also, here's the thing about child's play too, that child's play also, I don't want to talk about child's <laughs> Not, play too. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, her, first off, it's funny that now when people talk about child's play and also Fright Night, the director of those two movies uh, is named Tom Holland. Now, the name Tom Holland has gotten even more popular nowadays because that's the name of the actor who plays Spider-Man. Um, so it's hmm. very, that's just, a, that's just a side note. That's a little, that's little a bit little like in, inside the biz kind of fun thing that you have going on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, he does a thing that they do in street fighter. We can bring this right back. Oh, wow. Who does the thing that Chucky does? So child, so Charles Lee Ray, Chucky puts his soul into the body of a doll Yeah, and he's trying to, and if, if he's in the body too long, it deteriorates and becomes permanent. Mm -hmm. He has to he has to put his consciousness from body to body to body. Who are we talking about? That's very M. Bison of him. Very M. Bison. I didn't think about that until you had brought that up. That's such a good segue. That's a. I mean, we're not going to segue into that yet, but like, damn, that's good. That's a, that's a thing. That's it's real in good. Street Fighter. What I love perhaps most about that movie is they they blow up two buildings. <laughs> and that was something that if you were to tell me, hey, child's play, they blow up not one but two buildings, I'd yeah. like like fully blow them up. And the first one with like Shazam lightning. Yeah. <laughs> like the first, the first one, one blows up with magic lightning. The second one is, I don't think holds up to science, <laughs> but he, he, is, he turns, Chucky turns on the gas of the, right. of the oven, blows out the pilot light. And like minutes later, has his friend yeah. come in with his gun and shoot at him. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Caputo. That's the, yeah, it, Eddie Caputo. Yeah. yeah. And it blows up the whole goddamn house. Right. We're like, and, and Andy is just outside peeing. <laughs> yeah. That's all he's doing. And so like, and I love that they switch to like the evil dead. They do the, the Raimi cam, the, mm -hmm. the evil dead cam where uh, it's first person and he's just like running up the stairs and you know, it's something short and wily, something wily is running up those stairs. And you know, Chucky's going thinking, Oh, I got, I got just enough time for this little kid to finish peeing. To blow up this house to get this thing going. No, because Let's get it going. Anytime they, because they very rarely show like full shots of Chucky moving. There's like one shot that's kind of bad where they use the, uh, the small part. I don't know. It just looks very weird because he has that it's, big mask on and the head looks. Yeah, it's like a, a second that, shot. That they don't even need to use it really. Right, right. Yeah, there's just a couple when he's like, you know, standing upright on the, the kitchen countertop. Um, that's uh, that actor is Ed Gale. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's a little he's a little person. He does. He actually lives very close to me right now. Uh, he really? lives maybe like, a, wow. yeah, neighborhood. I think. Yeah, I know. I see on his Instagram. He hangs out a lot in uh, North Hollywood and I'm in Studio City. Bordering hmm. North Hollywood. Um, yeah, I, I hear he's very nice. But yeah, it's uh, it's not his fault. It's a mask. Yeah, it's right. just a mask. Um, and uh, it does. It, it is. It's it's strange. Uh, which is funny because in the later, in the later uh, Chucky movies, that's actually one of my biggest problem. But it's 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 from doll to animatronic. Oh, like they, when you watch, mm. I like I like Curse of Chucky. I do. But when you're looking at the animatronic, it's such a stark shift, such like a a 180 shift. When you're looking at like the camera is pointed at a doll, 
and then maybe it cuts to a person and then it cuts back to the doll and it looks so much different and you're like okay okay that's that's the animatronic now mm-hmm. I, I can see that I can tell um, I think the animatronics in this movie though were I think they were done well yeah I think so like very creepy like when that doll moves its mouth you go mm, I don't, mm, no I yeah like right that. right I don't like that bit <laughs> I don't like looking into his mouth and seeing teeth and a tongue. Yeah, I don't like seeing the tongue move. That's my weirdest part with with uh, with <laughs> looking at Chucky is, is ooh, you have a tongue and it's wet. Ugh, uh. it's supposed to be, just be a plastic doll. Now, of course, there's logic that does not hold up. Um, but like like things like okay, if he's if he's slowly turning into a human right heart out beginning with his heart outward and, and it takes the whole movie for his heart to become human mind you right the rest of him is just stuffing how does he have the strength to stand up with those little cotton legs voodoo i magic, don't know voodoo magic yeah, voodoo magic i'm okay with it i'm okay with it because regardless of those little holes because of course there are those holes right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna wor- i'm not worshiping this movie and th- calling it a perfect movie but I think with most most of the horror movies on this list, there there's always that caveat of, okay, but like suspension of disbelief here, people, just a little bit, nothing that is like world breaking, like. But if you're in for it for like a penny, you're in for the pound, basically. Yeah, because like I'm sorry, I I can't I can't praise this movie about a voodoo doll about like a guy putting his soul into a, a Christmas toy because. There's a couple of things that were unrealistic about it. Right. No, we're already there. Let's hold hands and walk into this tunnel of darkness together. We're there. No, but, I think I think that it holds up today. Uh, so that was a good pick for best movie with knife murder. Uh, my answer to this question, uh, my gut reaction told me to say Halloween, but mm-hmm. my heart told me Friday the Thirteenth. The whole trilogy, or the quadrilogy, in fact. I feel like the first four movies, that whole block, the whole story that it tells uh, within those first four movies, I think work very well together. It is because, you know, at that time, Halloween had just come out and people were like, okay, people are very scared of knife murder right now. Because it could go back to like even like talking about Psycho. If you want to talk about like the very first movie that had like serial killer elements to it, uh, where they like like basically show violence that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Halloween came out, and people were like, "Okay, how can we make a movie like Halloween without spending a whole lot of money uh, that's just as scary or like at least fun?" And I think right. that that is the big differentiator for me when it comes to the difference between Halloween and Friday the 13th is that right off the bat, I feel like Friday the 13th just was having more fun with it. Uh, but to yeah, really I back, I, I like the first, I like the first one because I actually, again, this is another situation where I hadn't been introduced to it until much later in life, where if, if you are someone who hasn't watched the the first Friday the 13th movie, uh, go back and watch it now. Five, four, three, two, one. That's your warning. Uh, because Jason isn't in it. He's not the killer. He's not the killer. He's not 
killer. It's Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. And it was that yeah. element of mystery where I was like, wait a minute, why aren't they showing Jason here? Because Jason's supposed to be the killer uh, that I know as an adult man. Why is it just this this murderous knife hand anytime th- that a murder happens? Or why is it, you know, Kevin Bacon getting stabbed through the neck in a very good that that particular kill that, was yeah. Kevin Bacon's in that movie too. <laughs> yeah, not the first that. Bacon we're going to talk about tonight. Also, I, we should we should mention this is your it's first showing of Kevin Bacon. Uh, I'm, I'm scrolling gets, ahead because I'm like, what else? What, wait, what else is he? Oh, I oh, see, yeah. I see it. I he's see down that list okay. somewhere. Down uh, on yeah, the bottom. He gets murdered bottom, in a great it. way. He's laying on the in the bed. The hand comes around, and then the arrow comes through his neck from yeah. the other side, and just that that practical effect looks really good. I think it holds up a lot. A lot of the practical effects still hold up in this movie. Uh, but it was, it's basically a mystery. And I didn't know that. It's yeah, a little it's, bit of a, of a it. Um, and yeah. there would be another movie that would, uh, I feel like, uh, take that and also run with it very well, very similar. And that's sleepaway camp. Mm. Um, but with, with another twist, but not quite the, the same type of twist. Uh, but that's not on this list, so we're not yeah. going to talk too but much about that. The other element that I love about this is that it takes such an innocent idea such as summer camp, which summer camp. that's where kids go. That's where they feel safe and have fun. But then you, you probably watch this movie, and it did what Jaws did to the beach, to what kids had for summer camp, of, oh, I'm going to get a, a big old kitchen knife in across the throat, and I'm going to die. And that's that's scary. That's spooky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And but, I think you were saying earlier about, you know, that it's so much more fun yeah. than Halloween. And I think right there, I mean, just the setting kind of hints right right at it. It's, you know, Halloween takes place right in the middle of a school year. You know, it's a, it's like a school night even, Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just and then just kids at camp. Kids at camp. Let's have fun. They're, it's a romp. And yeah, they're, they're having dying. Fun. <laughs> they're having fun. There's a little nudity. There's a little nudity. There's a little bit of nudity. A little, a little sexy fun in there. The thing that I... And it must be punished. It must be punished. Okay, so that's the element that I was getting to that I I feel like this movie set off that whole puritanical, uh, if you are a teen in a horror movie and you commit, if you are a sinner, you will die. Which, thinking about, like, if, if you, like take a look at that and actually think about it for a minute. You're like, you know what? That's kind of actually fucked up that like, that's the whole, like that's the moral of what the killer wants to do. But also this is a gratuitous movie about murder and there's probably boobs in this movie. If they buy into that and some movies, some horror movies get like really bad about that. Uh, Right. Friday the 13th, I feel like was the first movie that started that, that really kicked that off of, okay, here's just this murderer from Halloween who just loves to murder. Uh, he, he just, he just murders. That's all he does. But in this one, right. there's that motive of you're busy doing your, your jazz cigarettes and, and kissing each other <laughs> in the, in the under tents. So your swing I, cabbage. Yeah. Your swing cabbage. Uh, and so you you clearly just have to be stabbed by a pitchfork, and it's like, well, okay, uh, right? Because because fornic because you were fornicating when my son Jason was drowning, yeah. and you did nothing about it. And that's the whole that kicks off the whole Friday the Thirteenth business. Uh, and the part of it that 
that gets me is that I don't know it. There's something a little gross about that. Something a little gross about that whole exploitative, like we're going to use this puritanical edge to it, but then also be a movie that totally is self-aware about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like in the same way that this is going to be very sorry if this is too old a reference or too above the audience's head, but it's sort of in that same way that, where all in the, the TV show All in the Family lasted okay. for like 13 years. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing about it was, they, like CBS was trying to figure it out because like in 1971, they were like, okay, mm-hmm. okay, why do people like the show? Let's fi- figure it out why. And it just, it rated equally on both sides of the political spectrum because you had, right. you had on the liberal side, people were saying, well, yeah, Archie Bunker is clearly a satire, a, a spoof, of the, of right wing conservative politics, and we can point at him and la- he's an effigy of it. And then right. conservative, uh, the conservatives were like, no, but he's also saying, you know, he's representing us on a major on prime time. So it's like you got something for everybody, and it's sort of the same thing with. Uh, now coming back to, Friday I hadn't the 13th. considered it that way, but it kind of well, does have it both ways. Yeah, it kind of just it just sits there right in the middle, where it's like if you want to watch, you know. Uh, premature sex get punished and drug use get punished. You can do that if that's your thing. <laughs> you know, if, if you really, really need to see that, you can watch that. Or, you know, you can just kind of watch this, like, you know, uh, slightly one year pre Reagan, uh, you know, uh, lampoon of of the conservative ideology kind of play out. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, if and then we can, you know, and that then you can kind of everyone can point across the aisle and laugh at the other person where it's like, hi, you're having sex and you're dying. And then everybody else can be like, yeah, but look, you're fucking Pamela Voorhees. You're a crazy right. one. You're a crazy woman with a knife. But what I love about that is that the whole, the whole, it doesn't get away from that either because it sticks right in that pocket. Cause it goes from Friday the 13th and then it goes right into part two. Uh, part yeah, two picks right up immediately following part one like it is seconds later it's like they kept the film rolling uh, yeah yeah because at the end there's that like dream sequence that i i read somewhere that they weren't going to include the dream sequence at the end of jason like child jason coming out of the water right uh, it was that, a producer it was a producer who wanted it that uh yeah. that said we need one more shock yeah one more shock one last last thing like we, we're making a talky picture we, we gotta we got to sell yeah. it to the kids at the end. We got to spook them. Uh, but honestly, that's kind of how it was. Like, I'm pretty sure uh, that they didn't want to include that uh, in the, and that wasn't in the script originally. Um, right. But uh, with that in mind, that kind of set off the whole Jason business, though, because he comes back in the second one, but this time, mm-hmm. like, he's wearing the sack on his head. He's got the burlap sack, yeah. yeah. He's And he's kind of, like, bumbling around. He's not, like, a strong killer at all. He's yeah. kind of just, like... But he's quick. But he's, like, fast, he's you know? Fast. And it's not like in... Yeah, he's like running. <laughs> yeah, he's not and like he's got- a slow... Yeah, he's not a slow, like, I'm gonna get you... There's one moment where he's slow, uh, and it's... Oh no! I'm thinking about part three. I I confuse two and three very often. 
very often with the exception uh, of the mask yeah because three is when he actually gets the mask and you have to think about like well what do the murders look like before he gets the mask and then afterwards but uh but no you're right he is like fast but also he like falls over like a goon like he trips yeah, up a lot in this movie and it, it like there's that realness to it that it's like oh is he like a real person like that's very strange yeah. uh there's that really good wheelchair kill where he's it's mm-hmm. like oh here's mm-hmm. this very nice young man i hope nothing bad happens he's gone the yeah i know that's just, uh, <laughs> i gotta say too that the friday the 13th movies just like really like they really didn't hold anything back you know like there's like a guy in a wheelchair they go for and it. and they just go for it and because in your mind and and then here's the thing in like a in like a modern audience mind i was watching that you know even as a kid i was like well he's going to be the survivor he's going to be the one like in silver bullet remember the movie silver bullet it's the kid with the wheelchair he saves the day you don't you nope. don't murder someone in a if you don't murder people in wheelchairs you monster no he just like he gets clocked with a machete but then yeah. jason lets go of the machete and he and just goes like oh. is like flown back yeah. <laughs> it's like flung backwards off of the porch and it's like whoa okay i guess that's the direction we're going all right like that Okay. All right. We're we're in it now. Then we two, are both feet both feet in. So two oh. ends and you know who the murderer is the whole time. Three begins. Yeah. It was actually originally pitched as like a three D movie. Yes. Uh, yes. So it has a lot of kills that are all like, whoa, what if I hold this pole out here? <laughs> what if something <laughs> wouldn't it be terrible if something flew with the camera? And now I'm the victim. Ooh, it's coming right at me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that does lead to a, a fairly good kill where he has the crossbow on the, the side of the lake and the, the girl's just like, oh, cause he thinks that it's her friend cause he had stolen his, his Jason, the like, actual hockey mask this time. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, my friend was wearing that before. She's like, cut it out. And then he just very slowly raises the crossbow, shoots it. And then just kind of just drops the crossbow to the side and walks away. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> think like, like, if if he has the wherewithal to use a crossbow, <laughs> I'd hold on to that. You know what I mean? But he's like, nah, no. I'm good. I, I can I can figure, I can think of other things to do. I've, I've done that bit of murder. Let's do another murder. Right. It's like, like walking he's like he's bored or something. It's like okay. Yeah, yeah. He's playing like yeah, like bingo with like kill. Yeah, but, so three isn't necessarily good, but it does have the best theme song of all three. Uh, and if you don't know what it is, turn it on now because it slaps. It holds up. That shit is good. It is thoroughly good. And, uh, and you know, we've talked about the third movie is where he got the mask. And, you know, it's really funny that can, can I think can we think of any other like move any any other like like in the collective consciousness character uh, like Jason? Who we only we think of him in the third movie going forward. Yeah. We don't think of I mean, because obviously he wasn't in the first movie. I mean, he was at the very end. And we don't think of Burlap Sack Jason. We think of Hockey Mask Jason. I can't think of a single character like that where he comes in so deep into the franchise. Where yeah, we're like two, two movies are gone. Yeah, like the character is introduced, but like wasn't that character yet until the third film all right yeah like I we could be too anything else. if we could go back in time to like 1981 or whatever for like the second movie and we're talking about jace jason Voorhees, where mm-hmm. you know you go to a halloween party with a hockey mask on people would be like that's not jason what, what, what was it that's not jason you're just a, you're a hockey player 
You're just a hockey player with a with a machete. Yeah, that's that's an odd combination. I wonder where you got that idea. Yeah. No, but then I think the the quadrility rounds up pretty nicely in a way that Jason with the hockey mask is then murdered by uh, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Oh, fuck, what's the name of that actor? Um, that Corey he, Feldman. Yes, Corey Feldman. He gets murdered by a young Corey Feldman, which yeah, is like yeah. pretty good. He's like wearing a Jason mask himself, but like the actual Jason face mask. It's a very weird scene at the end, but I think it wraps up the, the quadrilogy. What? Quadrilogy? Quadrilogy. Well. Yeah. Like Honestly. House Party. The House Party quadrilogy. Yeah. There's four it, House Party movies. <laughs> and, and they're all fun. They're all fun, right? Like, and that's that's why I, when I think of knife murder, my gut might tell me that Halloween is the better movie. That Psycho's mm-hmm. probably the best movie, but if I'm gonna be honest, it's it's Friday the Thirteenth. So we had honorable men- or did you have an honorable mention for this one? I didn't really uh, mm-hmm. because I'm sort of with you in there. I mean, Friday uh, we talked about Friday. We talked about Halloween. I actually just rewatched Halloween last night. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Michael Myers fan. I don't like Michael Myers. He doesn't do it for me. But that first movie is it's a butt clencher. The first, and, the very first one is good. Anything yeah, the else very that they did after that, I don't think is very good. Yeah, and there's like moments, but like they always try to explain. Like they always they introduce Michael Myers as this entity of, or what rather, he's just behind those eyes. It's just pure evil, you know. I've never Doctor Loomis is saying I've never seen a boy. Blah blah blah. Spent eight years. What do you say? I've spent eight years trying to heal him and seven years trying to lock him up and things like that. He was just evil. That's it. And then movies they started like they started uh, expanding his family tree to include Laurie Strode and. And then they started making him actually like an evil entity. Like he's like the embodiment of evil and it got all kind of supernaturally. Yeah, the more they talk Rob about Zombie, like his the more, origin, yeah. it's the more I, I stop caring. The more I don't care. Like Rob Zombie tried to give him like more of a motivation, like a justification. Like he doesn't need to be Which justified. ruins the movie. Ruins it. You know what he is? He is Jaws. Yeah. That's it. He's the xenomorph and alien. He is just, <laughs> exactly. he is just a force. He doesn't need... I, I don't I think yes in general character gen, uh, character development is very good but that's but it's what the what role does the character play Michael Myers is just a force that's all he needs to be no more right anyway Psycho is great yeah that was my honorable <laughs> mention is that Psycho is a very good movie that holds up today and in the very same way of I feel like if you have never seen Psycho, listener, and you think that it ends at the shower scene, that is not true. That's not true at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It will and I'm blow gonna, your expectations. I'm going to, I want to bookmark the term that I'm about to use. I like calling those like those little gear shifts. Mm-hmm. It has a great gear shift. And it's yes. one of the earliest movies to have a gear shift because Janet Lee was a big star. At the time, she was mm-hmm. the, she was a bigger star than Anthony Perkins, Jamie Lee Curtis's um, mom, also by the way, Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, by the way, yeah, married with, with Tony Curtis. Um, so Janet, you know, and and it's all advert. She's on everything. She's on the poster. She was in the advertisements, yeah. and then the movie switches, and we're talking like maybe like twenty minutes in too. Yeah, um, it, it's it's fairly quick, and then it becomes a different movie completely different so i'm going to save that term for gear shift because the very 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 last category 
is my favorite gear shift. The one I mentioned. Does it ever gear shift? Uh, there is a hard turn in. The, I would call that the hard turn. <laughs> I would say it's like even a harder turn. Like given the first. Oh God. Like, when it turns oh boy moments yeah but what i guess i guess i'll throw it back to you and i guess we're going to the next one yeah the next, the next one which we can we can both talk about together because we actually had the same answer for this one so yeah. how i tied this one to street fighter which we had a good transition that i had to duff entirely uh but m bison has psycho power uh mm -hmm. so what is your favorite psychological horror movie we both said rosemary's baby it is it holds up and it is actually probably very relevant to the fears that women might have at this time, this time in like current American culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's something, you know, there's, there was definitely, I mean, then and now, uh, but especially then, you know, that was the era that was, this is the sixties. This is 1968. Um, and in the fifties and sixties, you know, you kind of look at like mad men, right? Mad men kind of looked at the same, little thing as well, from a different lens but what that thing is is that you know there's like you know this seedy undercurrent of violence uh, and and well horror horror in domestic life um you know spouses are getting beat people are getting killed you know and it's mm -hmm. like and like that's sort of like the the metaphor here it's like you know not everything the life of a housewife not that not necessarily that great Huh? Yeah. Something, something there were expect there are certain expectations of you. Like the husband expects this of you. Uh you are to have my child. You're fine. Stop worrying yeah. about it. Like Just the, have the child. Yeah. I'll go to work. You raise the baby and it'll be fine. But it's not that fine. Yeah. The gaslighting is at like an all time fever pitch. Right. Like, yeah. I like how yeah, exactly, exactly. I like uh exactly using that term gaslighting because that's just what it is like where she's she's just like so i have a craving for raw chicken livers is that nor no that's 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 normal that's, that's normal, normal. Oh, I'll, I'll get that for you honey don't worry about yeah, that it's fine there's nothing wrong i've called the doctor he's part of the cult too but whatever but that's the kind of the fun about this movie is that it it might play that end a little heavy handed, but mm -hmm. you don't really get that turn that things are actually about the devil uh, until later in the movie. There aren't mm -hmm. huge signs other than like she has visions where like all of it could be like all of the things that the people around her in her life are saying her to her like could be explained like the the things that people are telling her. You can tell that she's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess that. I guess that's real, but also I yeah. don't really have a friend in my current life right now. I don't have any lifeline out of here that would tell me otherwise that, oh, what you're experiencing is not actually good. Like you need to get out of there. And then like the instance where she might have someone like that in her life, that person is removed from her life. Right. Right. Where she's just, yeah, she's just like constantly in this cycle of abuse Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, and there it is. So there's, you know, the, it, it's, it's metaphorical in, on the supernatural end of it, but it's also very literal and very realistic, you know, that it's like this hunky dory domestic life is not so hunky dory. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of pulling the wool back uh, or pulling the curtain back, excuse me, pulling the curtain back on that sort of, uh, you know, that safe 1960s domestic living lifestyle because you can you know you got to look at like rosemary's baby is coming out at the time 
when what's on TV, like I dream of genie, yeah. you know, it's like the other domestic supernatural <laughs> property of the sixties. Yeah. It makes that into, yeah, I guess it kind of would take that as inspiration to be like, okay, if this was where people like and go to, to feel safe, what if all of this was bad and wrong? Yeah. What if, yeah. What if like, that's not how women should be treated. And yeah. what is like the extreme end of that? And what if also you were carrying the, the, the actual Christian devil's baby? Right, right. Like how many how many parents have just said to their kids like, oh, you're the devil. Oh, you're Dutch the devil. And it's like, well, yeah, this time you're right. Yeah. And uh, I think it's just exa an example sort of, uh, again, like we were saying earlier that, you know, horror and sci-fi just, they just give, it just gives ample elbow room to to map these sort of issues uh to map like these horrific circumstances on top of these like you know societal issues and just sort of explore you know it's like yeah it, it's heavy-handed but it works yeah and i think that's what makes it so effective uh and again i think that this movie holds up today like yeah you could watch it now because the cinematography is still really good there's a lot yeah. of good use of practical like there's a lot of good use of green fog, oddly enough, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that works oh, for yeah. me. Uh, the sound is really good, too. The sound in this right. movie is very unsettling. It uh, is, yeah. The, the times and, like, where feel... they choose to use silence is like, oh, okay. I was uh, just about to say that the absence of sound at some points, and you know, in the 60s, that wasn't really like... It, and it makes sense that it's coming from Roman Polanski. That's mm -hmm. more of a European thing. Uh, yeah, you know, American true. movies, especially at that time, were just like, you know, pumped full of sound, you know, constant soundtrack. So to remove it, it's like, oh, this is haunting. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, go check it out. Uh, what was your or did you have a honorable mention here? I had an honorable mention in Night of the Hunter. I mean, it's not really a psychological uh, horror film. It's more of like a tense, taut thriller um but there were but there's just these extended moments of like but the tension is so tense that you really just do kind of you know you're just wondering it's like wait is this is this ever just like in the what what like who what is this is this real is this mm -hmm. not real but i'm gonna actually change it i want to change it up a little bit because i know i like your jacob's ladder but you yeah. know what i watched recently that doesn't it, it does change. It's a totally a psychological horror movie, and that is Exorcist Three. Okay, so I, I have not seen past just The Exorcist, so you'll have to. You're on your own on this one. So, uh, so The Exorcist is very much like a supernatural drama horror. Um, <clears throat> Exorcist Two, just forget. It has no. It doesn't even matter. Um, <laughs> Exorcist Three is actually the only one based on. That's the actual sequel. Oh, because the, wait a minute. Is because the mm -hmm. go ahead. Because well, I actually book, think I do know parts about three. There's yeah, I think uh, some of it has gotten uh, very popular, especially uh, in the throughout. It's gotten more of a cult following. Uh, it kind of got it got downplayed at the time it came out because it was called Exorcist Three. That makes and sense. And Exorcist Two was such a bomb. Uh, William Peter Blatty, who is the author of the original book and the book that inspired. Exorcist 3, which is called Legion, he wanted to just call it Legion because that's the title of the book that it's based on, Legion. Hmm. Um, and that is a sequel to The Exorcist, but 
the studio was like, no, we'll call it Exorcist 3. And he warned them and he said, it's just going, it's just going to fail because people only remember Exorcist 2. It's going to fail. And then they had total amnesia about it. And guess what happened? But it's very, it's very different. It's very good. So the whole premise of it is the night that Reagan was exorcised and the demon Pazuzu was removed from her body was the same night that a, uh, a serial killer named the Gemini killer was executed. So what basically what happened was the demon Pazuzu was basically trying to, uh, you know, get one last act of like little vengeance, whatever. So the demon Pazuzu left Reagan's body basically took the Gemini killer's soul en route to the afterlife or whatever and put it into the body of Damien Karras, uh, Father Karras, the, the the young priest that took, that gave his life that to... That finishes, yeah. That, yeah, that finished it. So it becomes this... Uh, so it's more of a... De- it's a detective story uh, from the point of view of Lieutenant Kinderman, who was the detective in the first film played by Lee J. Cobb. In this film, Exorcist Three, he's played by um, George C. Scott. Hmm. Uh and so it's him like kind of following the following like these like little clues. He knows that he thinks the Gemini killer is back, but he was for sure executed. And who's playing the Gemini killer? Brad Dorif, uh, Chucky in one of like the most, um, I mean, most fantastic performances I've ever seen in a horror film, certainly from Brad Dorif, uh, who had previously, I mean, he's had, he has an Academy Award nomination from, uh, one flew of the cuckoo's nest. So he's a good actor mm-hmm. and he's been a good actor his whole life, but it's just like, it's just this insane, like, uh, like you said, psychological drama, like a psychological thriller. Uh, who is the Gemini killer? Who is doing the killings? From where are the killings emanating from? And it has some like really uh, great visuals because most of it is set in a mental hospital too. So you just get like this creepy, like almost Silent Hill vibe. Um, also like that. Have you ever played the video game Clock Tower? Yes. With the guy with the giant shears. Totally yeah, I'm looking at Exorcist images 3. and stills from the Exorcist three. And there's yeah. a lot of shears being shears. Uh, there front and center front and center. They are that clock tower gimmick totally ripped from Exorcist three. And it is, it is tense. It is fucking insane. Well, good. Um, I'm going to check like, that not, out then because like the Exorcist two is, that's a trip. Garbage. It's garbage. Exorcist 2, The Heretic, is garbage. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so my honorable mention here was Jake's Ladder, Jacob's Ladder, uh, which is, it's. I think it's a very good example of, like, I mean, spoiler alert for Jacob's Ladder, but, like, what someone might see the moments before they die or, like, regrets that they might have made manifest through hallucinations uh, in the moments before death. Uh, and to imagine an entire life yeah. after the moment of death, like seeing death coming and then saying, I'm going to, and then everything that you've just witnessed is an imagination beyond the moment. Yeah. Living out. That's through that. It also has some really cool shots. Uh, the one of the guy who's doing the, the twitching, the which they yeah, the filmed yeah, the it at a very, what is it? They filmed it at a really low frame rate and he just, he, he just did played that and then speed. sped up that footage so like it got that shakiness to it where it only yeah. picked up when he was in certain the old film techniques like that are very fun to notice and be like, well, how the fuck did they even film that? Mm-hmm. You don't think about that so much in the, in the digital age They you just be like, Oh, it's just edited that way. 
It's just edited. Yeah, exactly. But and because that, that technique was a big body, it's, it was popular in body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, for for because they used it decades. in. Did they use it in Ring, the first, like the Japanese they may Ring? Have. They may have. It's been a while since I've seen. Uh, but yeah, uh, in the original. But all right. Regardless, uh, we can move on to the next topic. Then we've covered our honorable mentions. Yeah, I do want to also highlight that uh, Tim Robbins yes. kills it. Um, Extremely good performance. This is another issue where someone is like, I don't know, things seem fucked up, but everyone is telling me things are not fucked up, but I am not okay. Yeah. Like, in this whole situation, like, I have to let people know that I'm not okay with any of this. Uh, I think the part that quite well. There's a part that actually made me tear up, which was where. Uh, when he pulls, finds the picture of his son, who's played by Macaulay Culkin, um, a very, very young Macaulay Culkin, I think pre-Uncle Buck, pre, definitely pre-Home Alone. Um, and yeah, and, and he just like looking at it and just, just starts weeping, you know? And his girlfriend, uh, who's um, Maria Pena, she just like looks at him and like sort of like starts like berating him or something, but then like sees what it is. And it's like, oh, that's a really, that's a really heavy moment. Yeah, it so gets odd. it gets real on a couple of different issues where you're just like, oh, I feel bad for this guy. Yeah, uh, and then it it does not end well for for that entire situation. But mm-hmm. uh, okay, uh, next bit though. So, uh, Guile has a zombie alt now, and Nash cool. is kind of a zombie. It's a good yeah. alt. Uh, Plus all the zombie costumes from the Halloween pack of Street Fighter Four. So sure. many zombies. Yeah, and there are a lot of zombies there. So, what's your favorite zombie movie? This was another one where we were uh, in agreement. My 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 first favorite zombie movie is actually my third favorite movie. Period. Really? And that's not Night of the Living Dead, nineteen sixty eight. Yeah. It, it's so good. It's a very slow movie. So if you're mm-hmm. watching it thinking, oh, it's good, like the the zombies of, that I know of today, it's, it is very, uh, very slow paced, but it is that slow churn that really makes this movie. Yeah. And that it's, that it's never, it is never about the monster. It is never about the monster. Uh, it is, you know, it's a, it's a very human drama. The things that people like uh, praise or used to praise uh, the walking dead for like after the first episode. My, yeah. My yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. Like show does not like, hold up to any criticism in my opinion. <laughs> but yeah, like people like, you know, in the earlier days of uh, 2010 walking dead, people were like, well, it's, you know, the human drama is so engaging. Uh, you know, this was the, this was the movie that kind of put that there on the map. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't invent the concept of the zombie. It didn't. No, um, that but was it's zombie. I think. The, the Italian film. film. Oh, oh, there's yeah, the, the Italian. There's film, the Italian right. film. No, the Italian film. We can talk about that later. Uh, that's actually the. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll okay. get into that. There's okay. some really interesting. <laughs> this is the thing we're talking about with like. But there's like movies like White Zombie, uh, in uh, starring Bela Lugosi. Oh, um, you're right. So, yeah, you know, there's right. movies. There were movies that starred zombie, and then plus the the whole myth uh, of the zombie um, had been established. It predated, but, but this predated this movie but what this movie did uh it didn't even call them zombies first off the no. uh in the script they're called ghouls uh uh romero didn't really he wasn't really focused on like a zombie this or that he was just like well they're just reanimated corpses just, they're ghouls mm-hmm. um they're eating human flesh they're ghouls but what he introduced or at least reinforced mm-hmm. was the notion that when you're bitten 
it's infectious. And that is really like where, where things start to come together and where this, this starts feeling like for all modern zombie movies. Yeah. It really Um, sets that in motion and really it, it solidified the quote unquote zombie in popular culture, even though it wasn't, called zombies at the time uh but what i think he where he really succeeded with this movie uh that i don't know gets played out or people talk about that often but the main actor is a black man Mm -hmm. uh and at that time it was kind of i mean what year was this uh 68 68 at that time to have a black man leading role with like other white people in the movie uh, and then how that movie ends yeah. and being, yeah. And being the, uh, the stalwart one, the, the go-getter and also nobody in the movie questions him. No, you know, he's just an African-American man and he's just, and he's just taking charge. We're all human. We're all human. You know, and I remember reading that he was hired for that job and people asked Romero. So like, why did you hire a black guy? Was that on purpose? He says, no, he was just the best actor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just straight up. It's like, wow. Well, like, yeah. It's like, you um, just, yeah, just, I just, he was just the best person. And, uh, and then it kind of, it, the way that that movie ends too is like, well, they just shoot him. They just yeah. shoot him. They, <laughs> like, from a distance. From a they don't fan, even, they don't get close. They don't get close. They just make, they just make, they make a judgment from afar. They say, pull the trigger. All right. Wipe our hands clean. We're done here. Yeah. And it's, it's heavy. Yeah. Especially after what you go through to get to that point and what he has gone through to be like, Oh, he's, he's tried so hard to, to maintain everyone's humanity here. He has tried to keep this small house of people sane, uh, in this like broken world now. Uh, and then to just end like that is like, uh, that's a good, that's a good horror movie trope to to end on a downer. Yeah. To end on the downer, but on then also like with such, like we were saying before, like such societal and socioeconomic heaviness to it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, cause we're just going to clean up the, the zombie mess is the idea we're getting at the end that there's, you know, these ro- uh, droves of human, you know, whatever surviving people just picking off the zombies, cleaning up the mess. It seems very temporary. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like an apocalypse, an apocalyptic situation. And we're just going to go back to life. And that life is pretty hard right now. It's the sixties. And we're not as far along as we think we are. Yeah. And we're just going to make this, this decision from pretty far away and not try and not even try to reach out and say hello. They don't even try. It's just, no, they don't One in the house over there. All right. Add them yep. up. Yep. Add them up. Throw it on the pile. Uh, um, what I and, will uh, say about this movie, fun fact is that the, the part that really did it for me, uh, specifically the opening scene of the cemetery was actually filmed in the Mars Cemetery, which is where I grew up. That's the town I grew up. No kidding. Yeah, so we would like hang out there around like Halloween time. We would at least uh, hang out near the woods that are like right outside of like the limits of that cemetery. And it's like yeah. kind of creepy down there. Yeah, it, it was like one of those things that I was like, oh, I know this place. And then the the house that where this is filmed is actually like kind of down the road from like where my buddy lives. And it's it was always like, together in that package of oh because Romero was like was he from Pittsburgh or did he just film a lot in Pittsburgh because uh, Pittsburgh area Monroe Monroe Monroeville 
Yeah. Yeah. What was that? Uh, because his next, was it his movie immediately following this, Martin, about the the dude who's like a vampire. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Martin. Which I've never seen, actually. Uh, oh, it's quite good. Yeah, Martin. Because th- that's another movie where it actually is not clear whether or not he is actually a vampire or just likes to kill. Right. Uh, and it, he, like, there's a very good argument in that movie where he's like, it's not magic. It, none of this is magic. This is just what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's like, oh, oh okay, this is, this movie got deep, but anyway, uh, but it was like film that like takes place in like in and around Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, Right. But like, this was the first time where I was like, Oh man, that's a place that I can very easily get to. And it's a spooky thing and it's Halloween and we're going to go get spooked guys. Guess what? Time for everybody to get spooked. (laughs) Uh, I thought, but, what a great little landmark too. Like, cause I, I just think of that zombie. I think of the, the cemetery. So, so cr- clearly mm-hmm. of like uh, Brad and I'm sorry, Barbara and Johnny. Cause sorry. The, Cause in Rocky Horror Picture Show, Brad and Janet look just like Barbara and Johnny very <laughs> yeah, much deliberate. But uh, so I almost said Brad, but uh, yeah, Barbara and Johnny. And I just hear like the, the, uh, the coming to get you, Barbara. Barbara. Think of it very clearly. Wow. It's very good. Um, now you're mentioning zombie. Okay. So here's a little fun thing about zombie. We can relate this a little bit to uh boxer dictator claw. Do you want to talk about a little bit of Street Fighter in there? But zombie. Okay. So so in Italy, where copyrights are, especially in the seventies, copyrights were very tenuous. Uh, Dawn of the Dead was released over there as mm-hmm. zombie. Now we're talking about the actual zombie. Uh, I'm sorry. The actual Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Sequel. Romero sequel. Released just Z O M B I. No E. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I believe so. Okay, I will defer to you. And then it was so then. Uh, it was just released over there. So Lucio Fulci, a filmmaker, he made a movie called Zombie Two, uh, which was which was this, his unofficial oh, sequel to Dawn of the Dead. We're going to talk about Lucio Fulci, Zombie Two. Yeah. Okay. So Zombie Two was was <laughs> was released over here as Zombie, the unofficial sequel of Zombie uh, of Dawn of the Dead, aka Zombie One in Italy. And so then he also then they also made Zombie Three, which was the sequel to Dawn of the Dead sequel, but it was released over here as just zombie three so we never got a zombie two because zombie was zombie two and dawn of the dead was zombie one very much it's just and it reminds me it's a little bit of like little name roulette like musical chairs with m bison mm-hmm. vega uh balrog okay i can i can a little buy bit that. but yo zombie two is like that's that's a ridiculous movie yeah it, none I, of I it barely makes sense it. It i is... barely remember it i i, I got to admit but i just remember like it's so visceral um, all of them cool. are. It's great. It's great. But it's it really a very whole... Lucio Fulci film. If very much follow, so. has followed his career. Yeah. Um, you guys. Yeah. Gotta see. You got. You should definitely see. Like I spit on your grave and yeah. Zombie <laughs> One with like the there's a there's a great eyeball kill uh, where like a zombie just like pulls this girl's head like her eyeball right on this like sharp piece of metal. Maybe it's a needle. I can't remember now. It's just it was something sharp. Yeah. And I just but that. Ooh, the the shot composition it sticks with you. It's we'll just, be talking ugh. about needles in eyes later on in this show. For certain, not the first needle in eye we're going to be talking about. Right, definitely not. Uh, <clears throat> so my honorable mention here was Wreck, 
the 2007, the original, uh, not the the English remake with uh, Deb from Dexter, not that yeah, one. That's right. Uh, which was not quarantine, not quarantine, not that movie, uh, wreck. Cause personally I have a huge soft spot for found footage movies. Do you? I know that. Okay. I like them in a bad way, in a way where (laughs) I will watch all of them. And a part of me will be like, Ooh, I'm spooked. (laughs) But like, I like knowing that most of them are not good. Uh, most of them, but there's Most a part of me not. that likes that certain handheld motion to it. Uh, Rec, I think, has very good cinematography for being a like on a handheld kind of kind of view. Uh, mm-hmm. There's really good shot composition. There's like really tense dialogue. Uh, mm-hmm. Moments where like things that they don't show are like, yeah. oh, you can tell from this actor that he is holding a gun, even if you don't see a gun. Mm-hmm. specifically where he's like holding those people in that room, like back away, like before you even like see him brandish it, just like the, the physicality to it in that room is like, Oh, okay. Like this is how this, this is going to be now. And I feel like that movie is visceral in that way, but and that I think was like my honorable it, mention worth watch. Once it, once it hits, cause I just saw this movie for the first time, uh, last week and I loved it. Yeah. And when you're watching the, um, the reporter and you see those first moments where like, uh, you know, she's getting, uh, she's at the firehouse and like uh, getting cozy with the fire, uh, the firefighters. Yeah. It's very, I real. just feel like it's very real and it's very, it's very well paced. Like it doesn't just like, but when it slams on you, it slams hard. Uh, it like, it looks for that opening and just hits you with it. And like, and then once it, and it doesn't stop it doesn't stop mm-hmm. and that's what i really love about it like i love how it's just like this very patient pace and then all of a sudden it just beats you over the head with like non-stop uh when uh, shit hits tension. the fan it is it is tense the whole time yeah and desperation feels like desperation yes you know what yes. i mean like, i'm a big fan so like i'm i have they're a trapped. writing ba- they're trapped and i'm a, i'm a, i have a writing background uh and i you know i, I was doing a lot of uh comedy and there's comedy and horror both have a very similar rules it's like mm-hmm. like in in terms of like rhythm and space and, and like pacing and also like setting and in and in uh both horror and comedy setting is very it's very clutch when you can figure out a way to just have set mm-hmm. and one location unable to leave you know what i mean like put them mm-hmm. in an elevator put them in a in a building uh, put them on a boat. Is this a comedy or is it a horror film? I guess either way, it depends what's happening. <laughs> but but it's the it's it's the it's the start. Trap them of, in a situation. Of trap yeah, of trapping them in a situation. It's the start of something good. You know what I mean? As long as it's justified. As they're justified, uh, they shouldn't be able to just leave and are just choosing not to leave. No mm-hmm. no no. Let's let, let's trap these characters there. See what happens. And wreck or and then, record, and then write characters that would interact with each other well. Don't yeah. write interactions. Write characters that would yeah. Who interact are these people well with each other? Yeah. Who are these um, people? Why are they there? Why can't they leave? Etc. Record does that also oh, so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your answers here, in honorable well, mention. I want to talk about Sean. A bit later. Okay, that's I fine. Talk that, about that's that, you know, that's correct. 
you're correct because in saying that. We have a, a category coming up here that I think it definitely fits. Yeah, I want to talk. I'll put that later, but I do want to say uh, Cargo. It's a Netflix original. It's a it stars uh, Martin Freeman. It came out this year. So actually, this is the most recent one. So if you guys have not seen Cargo, it's a feature-length movie on Netflix. Uh, maybe this is the one you want to <laughs> avoid the spoilers on. But but it's um it's based on. Or I'm sorry. It's a it, it's an adaptation, a, f- a feature-length adaptation of a of an Australian short film that I believe won some awards, but I couldn't tell you what or when. Um, it was a, a few years old, like 2013, something like that, where. Uh, basically it's this, you know, short film of this guy, uh, and he's, he's wearing, a his baby, he's wearing his baby on, in like a little, um, you know, the little pouch, little, little strap, whatever that thing, a baby yeah. carrier, a papoose. A baby character, papoose. Yeah. Uh, Pier- yeah. Piers Morgan. It's a papoose. And <laughs> some men wear papooses. Fuck that guy. Um, I, know, I know. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so it's, and, and the, the guy is slowly dying. He's dying because he's been bitten by a zombie. So he's transforming. So what he so he kind of puts like a little, you know, carrot in front of the horse. He rigs up this little thing of like like a like a piece of rotting meat or human meat or whatever uh, above his head. And he's like strapped notes on his body. So forever, whoever finds him, whoever kills him can look at the body and see these notes, see this baby. And basically he's he knows he's going to die, but it's his child. He's trying to protect his child. Um he doesn't want as as a zombie he doesn't want to die and then turn around and eat his own baby so he's he distracts himself on this like endless walk uh the zombie carrying this living baby and it's like it's a gorgeous short film and uh netflix budgeted it and produced it and and f- turns it into a feature length movie called cargo and it's pretty good wow. it's pretty good um i honestly think the short film just kind of cuts the cuts to the chase that's a little fair. better, yeah, because uh, it's a short film, uh, so it doesn't have all the other stuff, all the like moments of peril and, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah, there's no like, there's no fat. There's no f- yeah, and Cargo has a little of that. It's, it's sort of like okay, okay, I know what's going to happen, so let's just get to it. Um, but all said and done, I love Martin Freeman, um, and I love this cast, and I love and I love the premise, and I thought, what a fun, intimate portrayal. Uh, in the largely overdone zombie subgenre, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, I really liked it. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, well, actually, uh, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna split this up into two spooky parts. Let's do it. Let's get the story told in two spooky parts because we're spooky. Yeah, because it's it's gonna. I can envision this going places. Uh, and because of that, just gonna cut it, and we're gonna come right back in part two. Part do. Uh, so stick with us, folks. We'll be back. <laughs> 